welcome phoebe <laughs> how are you i'm really great how are you very well very well so i think let's start with you doing an intro about who you are to our audience but for our audience you know we've started this whole thing called knowledge series and it's it's basically interviewing industry experts but also from an angle of cyber security right so we we recently had one with uh, an insurance uh, advisor about how cyber insurance is impacting uh, the industry and today we have you from public relations and communication which is a very uh, close topic to my heart and when companies have data breaches and they they get known in the media i think communication becomes a very key aspect so give us a quick uh, background about yourself and introduce yourself to our audience and uh, then we get into it yeah thank you so my name is Phoebe Neto and I'm the founder of Pure Public Relations. We actually take care of the public relations for Sickman Cyber. And uh, we, we deal with anything to do with communication and perception. So we want to show what makes a business great, not tell. So it's different to advertising. This is about your reputation and how you engage and communicate with people. So when it comes to cyber security, for example, there's an issues management aspect to what we do and how do you communicate well about that to all the different audiences. And then there's a media relations aspect of how is your business presented in the media, if it's there at all, and if it is, making sure it's positive. Oh, so, so when you say, you know, is all public relationship meant to be only positive? You know, like when there is a data breach, obviously there is an impact to the business, their customers. And also, can you give us some distinction between internal communication and external communication, please? Yes. So there's all these different stakeholders or audiences that you need to communicate with. Ideally, you'll be communicating with them on a regular basis. You've got internal communications. That's your staff. And they're the front line of your business, really. They're the first thing that a lot of people see about your business. So it's really important that they are presenting you well um, and they know what messages you want them to communicate. And then you've got your ideal customers, your existing customers, anyone else that may be affected by your business or by a breach. And then really savvy businesses think beyond that to other audiences like the media, mm -hmm. like government, like referrers and make sure that they've got a re good reputation with those audiences and that they're communicating regularly with them. So we can get our clients in the media and we can also uh, help keep them out of the media when needed or reduce a negative impact. Mm -hmm. And the businesses that have a crisis and handle it really well, one of the, the key um, indicators of them managing a situation like that well is if they were already proactively communicating um, with those audiences because then they've got a reputation that's strong to start with. They've established some trust and a connection. They've got those communications channels well used. It makes it much easier when something goes wrong yeah. to use that as a foundation point to, to help remedy it. Yeah, over the last 16 years, I have followed a number of data breaches, right? Uh, both local, international, government, non-government, not-for-profit, for-profit, you know, big corporations, small corporations. But one of the key things I've noticed is the ones who've had had it really bad also took it up on themselves to ensure that both their internal, external, 
And when I say internal, it's also their extended partner network were constantly kept in the loop, right? Many years ago, about almost 15 years ago, or 14 years ago, uh, there was a payment uh, company in the US, a very large one, who had a massive data breach. It, was, it ran into millions of credit card data, which was stolen by hackers. And they had actually a hotline you could dial into. Every Monday morning, the CEO would do an update to whoever wants to, including media, could listen. So it was managed really well in terms of, you know, how to communicate, what to communicate, not keeping people in the dark. They had a dedicated website landing page where people could go get information. They had a separate channel for media if media wanted information. Because what we tell clients is, you know, yeah, you can, you know, what is preparing for the worst case, right? You know, because many, many organizations who have not experienced a data breach don't see the importance of communication. And then, you know, when the when the breach actually happens, and they're like, Oh, what do we do now? Yes. So have you seen or can you give us, even if it's not cyber, but any any case study or something in terms of a crisis, what are the steps before and after, right? In terms of, you know, crisis management from a communication and a public relations standpoint. Yes. I, similar to what you do, there is a lot of uh, preparation and prevention involved. Uh, so for, from a public relations perspective, that's making sure that we anticipate what some of those potential issues are going to be and prepare for those in advance, hoping that we never need to use that. Oh. So that's going to be what we call a, call a holding statement. It's a statement that you literally hold on to oh. in case you need to use it. Oh. And that's uh, prepared for media. And we can prepare that for a number of scenarios so that if something happens, you really just need to update it and it's ready to go because time matters. Yeah. Uh, then also statements for all the other different audiences because each person has a different need. There are different next steps required for each audience. So for example, your staff, they need to know what's happened, but they also need to be given tools on how they are to manage their customer communications because concerned customers are going to call them, not the communications person or the boss. So they need to be given those tools. So they need something different and they can be given more information than what you might give an external person. Okay. So we put together all the different communications in writing for all these different audiences. You should also have a bit of a chart that says when this happens, this is who was allowed to speak to the media. This is who needs to be contacted when, so that you know what to enact when it happens, because you do not want your receptionist answering questions with limited knowledge, for example, and causing more chaos than is needed. You do not want um, somebody sending out an email to their clients that hasn't matched up with the other communications. So then you need a really clear pathway of what to enact and who can do it. And something so simple as making sure that you've got easy access to the logins for all of your communications channels so that you can move quickly. You wouldn't believe how something so simple can add hours to a process if you don't have it ready to go before who. Sure. So it's something like what I'm hearing is, you know, we do something called instant response playbooks, mm -hmm. right? Which is very technical in nature, obviously, you know, you know, who to call, what's the escalation levels, you know, what's the response time to a certain kind of incident, you know, who are all the other connected parties. Yeah. We do whole flow charts around it. 
So it's kind of mapping into what we do, but more so from a PR and communication standpoint. That's really, really cool to even, you know, begin to, uh, you know, envisage that that's the level of detail one needs to go into. Yes. I mean, we can't, we have clients where we do this on a, a much more stripped back basis where we have a few simple statements because they're a small enough team that they'll come straight to us and we can manage it. Correct. But for the larger organizations or where there are multiple partners or customers, they do need to have that ready because what you want to avoid is chaos. Yep. Yep. What you also want to avoid is silence because people fill the silence with their own assumptions, usually negative, and their own misunderstandings and ideas. And you want to be able to control the message and you don't want people filling a void of silence with their own negative assumptions. You want to be the confident, calm, in control person that tells them what you want them to hear, what they need to understand. (laughs) And if you do that consistently, they're going to know you are the go-to for information. You're the trusted one to the point where they can believe that you're trustworthy enough to believe that you will resolve this in their best interest and they can they won't jump ship that they'll stick with you after the crisis if you handle it well so in leadership and management there's a very uh, very powerful statement which says you're not judged by when things are going well you're judged by when things are not going well and how you deal with that situation at that point in time and i've i've worked with many service providers and many clients you know where and and i've seen who are organizations who are not clients of ours who who kind of try to put things under the carpet, especially when things are not going very well, not just from a cyber standpoint, it could be a financial breakdown or, or it could be mass, uh, you know, uh, uh, redundancies of staff. You know, they don't tell the actual story behind it. And then all these assumptions and, and, and today, you know, like 20 years ago, social media wasn't as powerful, but today, you could just put one one line statement one tweet. and then that's it. it. It can just catch wildfire. Like just recently I saw some staff put up a, he literally wrote something, scribbled on a big piece of paper and he said, I was, uh, I was let go because I opened my, uh, I shared my views. And that's become really wildfire. It's got nothing to do with cyber, but communication, PR, we have to look at other dynamics. So what's, how social media, how do you recommend, you know, manage, not control, but manage social media? Because, yes. you know, anybody could say anything, you know, even anonymously, how, how could, could you give us some tips on, you know, what, yeah. what and how to manage that? And um, I'll give you an example. When COVID was still new and any business or organization that had a case of COVID became a news story. So this is when it was, the pandemic was still being learned about it and there was a lot of hype around any cases. Uh, we, we helped manage some of those media storms. And what we did was we listed social media listening where we would audit what was being said on social media, because while we needed to answer journalists questions, we wanted to also communicate, uh, what the general community needed to hear, which was not always the same as what the the media was reporting. And that's where you see a lot of negative assumptions and incorrect things being spread. It's going to be on social media and it moves fast, as you say. Yep. So we did a lot of listening to to look at what was being said, what's um, needing to be corrected. And we made sure we responded really quickly to that. 
through the media because they would see that as well as using all of the social media channels that were owned by those organizations to put out very rapid information. So, so we made a, a promise to their customers through their, their brand on their channels. We will, you will be the first to hear about updates and we will continue to update you. If you've got questions, come to us, don't speculate. And because updates were being given sometimes every five minutes, um, that that helped reduce that spiral of chaos and and the rumor mill and brought people to the the source of information, which was their Facebook page, their LinkedIn page, their Twitter account, or, or whatever, um, or their website. In some cases, it, it's big enough to warrant inside yeah. the web page. So that's a very important and a very pertinent point because uh, there was a breach about three four years ago. It was a massive global organization. What happened post-breach, there were these quote-unquote criminal agents, uh, actors who were going and creating lookalike websites saying, you know, uh, if you are a victim of this data breach, you know, put in your information here, and also social media handles, which look like the company is saying, okay, but you know, uh, for people who've, who've been impacted by it's like when floods happen and when disasters happen, there are rogue agencies who are trying to collect donations yeah. in the name of the flood. Yeah. I've seen this happen quite a bit. In fact, we tell our clients that in preparedness for a breach, also start actually buying domain names and social media handles, which is kind of a lookalike of your company name, right? Yeah. So in case it happens, at least you own all those domains and somebody's not using that app to, you know, put false information and then cause further damage, right? And, you know, on top of whatever actually allegedly happened. I mean, that's one of the reasons why it's important to have a good communication flow before something goes wrong. So they already have the connection with the correct site, with the correct channels, with the correct phone number and so on. For bigger corporations or those that are going to have a bigger flow on effect when something goes wrong, we create what's called a dark site, which is a website that's hidden Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that we can just flick a switch, tweak it slightly to be appropriate to the situation and it's ready with the view being that we can then move faster than the the negative sites or the the misconceptions. Correct. And I've also seen organizations incorporate, you know, global email signatures, which will say, if you've been infected, click here. So staff, when they're communicating, that additional signature goes as a as a top up to communication so if people are not across the news and you have customers receiving emails they can at least click on the link but i think it all boils down to the proactiveness right you know you could do anything reactive right you know there's a storm today and then you know it, it causes a bit of disruption you could you could reactively go and do something after the storm or you could plan before the storm yeah. by looking at the weather and you know not not doing things which could impact you in a, in a storm situation. So I think that proactiveness and it's like the whole purpose of this knowledge series is to educate our audience on the fact that don't take PR and communication lightly while some some organizations are investing in cyber, but cyber security is all encompassing, right? You know, it's people, systems, processes. And when it comes to people, it's internal people, external people, shareholders, partners, you know, extended teams, even third and fourth party providers who are part of your value chain or your supply chain. 
who who are who are working with your organization to make it successful. So I think that's that's the core element, right? So Phoebe, just you know, going a little bit further in terms of you know, what would you say would be the you know top four or five mistakes organizations make, right, when it comes to a crisis situation? And obviously, what are the top four and five they could do yeah. to to mitigate? You kind of answered it in different ways, but we'll kind of structure it into you know, three or four bullet point and, okay. you know, <laughs> kind of well, things. You said one of them already, which is they try and sweep it under the rug. Yep. So the question you need to constantly ask yourself is, if I don't proactively share this information, are they going to find out anyway? If there is a chance that they will, then you want to be the one that's putting it out there because then you're in control, you're proactive, which people respect. And you can say it the way that you want it said. Um, secondly, think about how other people are going to interpret it and the questions that they might answer. And then amplify that with the sense of fear and panic that people tend to bring to things like this because that removes a little bit of logic and it exacerbates any concerns that people would have. And then address those. So yeah. often... Businesses will speak in a very clinical way and they will just give a small amount of information. But actually, if you speak with empathy and address questions before they have to ask them, for example, what does this mean for me? What are you doing about it? Even saying we don't have all these answers yet, but we know that you will want to know the following things. We will let you know soon. That abates a lot of concern because they trust that you are understanding how it impacts them and they trust that you are thinking of all the things that need to happen. Mm -hmm. That makes a very big difference. And okay. um, the third would be not preparing beforehand, obviously. And um, in preparing, it's uh, making sure that you communicate that plan to the right people as well. Sometimes this will be put in the drawer of, a, of one staff member um, members remit and not actually shared amongst the team. This is the sort of thing that should be communicated well. Some businesses even do drills with to make sure that it runs smooth and that you can be calm when, when you have a crisis. Like how we have uh, fire drills. Fire drills like you have. Hey, we, we do cyber drills. You're saying we should have also communication drills because as part of cyber drills, communication will become one key element as part of that can't sit separate or it's not after the fact it's it's part of the journey of the whole cyber security yeah. maturity of an organization to ensure that communication both internal and external is yeah. yeah very powerful yeah very cool probably the, the other mistake is um having a contagious chaos so internally you might be panicking a bit even though you've prepared that it, it's it's concerning and there are a lot of unknowns and mm. unknowns cause fear but you can't allow that to be contagious. You need to show that you prepared for this beforehand. Yep. Communicate that you have because that reassures people. Uh, make sure that, that you speak with confidence and authority. Say what you know. Explain the things that you don't know, but assure them that you will soon. Yep. And then you're in control. And that's very contagious. That's what you want people to catch from you, not chaos and concern and alarm because they will pick up on that and amplify it. And that just causes more problems and it slows down the process of, of repair that you need as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, and you kind of answered the, the solution to the problem 
to in, in, in what you said, right? But what, what are the best practices? Like what are the three or four best practices organizations can take away from this conversation yeah. in terms of preparing for their cyber incident response, uh, PR and communication, please? Be kind to the media. Okay. <laughs> you may be annoyed that they've picked up the story and they're going to make it a bigger one than it would have been otherwise. Mm -hmm. um, but equally, you can work with the media to have the truth put out there and put out there in a calm way. Uh, so you want them to be on your side and you want to be on their side when they're coming to you to report. But the there's story. this misconception about the media that you know, they will put out something which is juicy and hot and which will get a lot of... And they might. Yeah. <laughs> but that's why you need to work with them because you want them to do it on your terms as much as possible. Uh, so don't say no comment because they, they will just fill in the blanks. Again, it's that question, are they going to find out about this or write about it without my help? Well, if they are, then I need to give them my help so that I have more control over So no comment is not a good idea, is it? It's not a good idea. <laughs> no comment or... I just found out about this myself. I don't know. Hold on. Things are crazy. Let me talk to you later. That's the lead there. Things are crazy. That's the headline. That's why you want to make sure that your receptionist has a, a, a sheet of what to do when a journalist calls next to their phone even, um, how to, to answer them and take a message without giving a comment without meaning to, that your staff have that. That's part of the preparation. So, so, but I've seen senior leaders struggle with this. Le yeah. Leave apart, we were talking about receptionists, you know, that's that's down the chain in an organization. They're you know, the gatekeeper. They're the gatekeeper. It makes way to the boss. They put it on how to handle it well too. Um, because if you want to live beyond this and this not be what defines your business, it, it's going to live in your search in the search engine his, in search engine results. It's going to live in people's memories. It's going to be on social media. If you want to recover well from this, you want to have the opportunity to have a good follow-up story with that journalist later. You want to have the opportunity to have your comments included in the piece. And if, if it's a really big story with a large number of people affected, it's actually a very useful tool to communicate to a large volume of people who have different communication methods. There are going to be some people that won't Google or use the internet, but they read the newspaper. And if they're impacted by the breach, reading that story is actually really helpful. So they can actually be a useful channel, not just a threat. So be kind to journalists. Yeah. So would you provide in a scenario training and coaching to, you know, the the face of the business of like people who will interact with the media? Do you do? Yeah. And is that necessary? Do you think it's even required? So media training is important, not to make you speak like a robot or a politician, <laughs> but just how to handle those situations well. But we'll even um, be the spokesperson for a client. So often when you read a story, um, when it says a spokesperson search, that's often the PR person. But one thing I picked up in your comments is about the word empathy, right? I think yeah. a lot of businesses want to keep it cut and dry, but they are... Businesses are working with human beings, people, right? Even if it's B2B, yeah. there are people on the other side, right? If there's no empathy, you know, there is no connection. And there's no connection, there's no relationship. And then there's all this, you know, you did this and you, it's like finger pointing kind of. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Empathy is really important for building trust, for reassuring them, for working on the relationship, because you need to continue that after this. 
Um, also, the the misconception is that if you keep it short and, as you said, cut and dry, it that it shuts the story down. It doesn't. It just leaves people with more questions. Because people are curious. They want to know. Yeah. That doesn't sound right. I want to find out more, and then they'll yes. they'll start snooping around and asking more questions and calling somebody in the in the staff. You know, trying to. And that's what media does because when they don't get the right answer, yes. they go into investigative mode and then they try to, you know, seek information from exactly. other sources which you can't control because yeah. they could say anything. It could be this is what people on Twitter are saying. They'll even use hashtags. If you roadblock them, they'll get it somewhere else. So so mm. work with them. Um, but empathy is really, really important and um, that you're going to have a much more favorable result and patience from Closer. Uh, another mistake I see when it comes to cyber breaches is not being very clear in how it will impact the, the, the end user. <laughs> um, if you're vague, then they're going to assume the worst when they didn't necessarily need to. So, for example, there was a large international um, not-for-profit organization that we were working with, and we came in after they tried to handle it themselves. Mm. So they'd already caused some damage. Mm. And part of the damage was that they sent out an email to their entire database that was really vague about a credit card breach. If you have made a contribution in the last, uh, actually they didn't define the period either. If you have made a contribution, you may have been affected when actually it was limited to one country, a certain period of time, and the credit card details may not have even been compromised. They just weren't sure. Mm. They really, if they handled it with more detail and provided the opportunity for people to have someone that they can contact for help, because that's really important, that they don't feel that they're met with silence. Yep. Then they wouldn't have had um, half their database unsubscribing and committing to never work with them again. That, that's what the outcome was. Yeah, that's a very important and not-for-profit is, you know, a lot of people give their money because they care about the, you know, the cause they're working towards. You know, I've had, you know, certain not-for-profits come and say, we need to, we need to have a cyber program, primarily because our donors, even the larger ones, which are corporate, saying, if you have a data breach, our name is on your donor list and we don't want to be part of that, right? Yeah. So I think, you know, no, no business, big or small, is immune to a cyber attack, right? You have to think about not just your immediate customer, but the larger, yeah. larger user base who are who will reflect on your business, yeah. and say, okay, you know, my money is sitting with you, and and you haven't done the right thing by me, mm. and I think that that relationship is is extremely important, you know, to maintain and and keep up. Yeah. Wow. Those those third party suppliers that you use, it's not any fault of your own when something goes wrong but it reflects on it. Yeah, and also I've seen some organizations pointing fingers saying, oh, it is not us, it's our third party. But you appointed them to do work, just don't put them under the bus, right? You yeah. know, yeah, it could be caused because of them, but you're finally accountable, right? You yes. know, for whatever you have done and you, your customer is not part of the journey of choosing that third party yeah. provider. Since it was with you, not them, so like, you have to fix that. And I've seen some government organizations very, very conveniently say, Oh, it's it's one of those big four IT firms who who did this, and I'm like, they should have. Don't throw everybody under the bus, and it's very unfair in that process. You know, unless they want to be part of that communication, bring them along on the journey. Say, you know, we're working with our third party. We understand the breach. I think this is what I have experienced in the last 16 years. 
seeing different types of communications during a crisis, yeah. especially cyber, which is my, my field. Yeah. But yeah, what they're saying when they say that though, this is how the customer hears it, is, well, goodness, what other suppliers that you work with can I not trust? And do you care that little about me as a customer? I can't trust you about anything else now. I just feel like a, a commodity to you that doesn't matter. You seem like you don't care that this has happened to me. And, and that causes damage outside of that area. And you touched upon a point when you said, especially cyber crisis, it's so important. Like if there's a, if there's a flood or, or, or a tornado, you and I has something to relate to saying, oh, wow, that, that building is, uh, you know, underwater or, you know, that, that suburb is underwater. You can relate to it. Yeah. With cyber crisis and cyber breaches, people, it's, it's people's information, right? Yeah. So a lot of people can't relate to the impact and they'll start making all these assumptions. So it's more important to explain what the impact of a breach is because there's nothing to the physical eye to see. Yeah. Saying, oh, because of this data breach, that building for fell over. No, there's no building fallen over. Mm -hmm. You know, it's information lost, yeah. which could have an impact, which many people haven't experienced the, the journey. I think, I think that's, that, that's something very, very critical mm -hmm. in the whole journey of explaining and taking accountability to explain what the breach really meant. Yes, this you know, is what it means. The impact, the, the exposure, yes. what, what it really meant to the business. Exactly. This is what you should do about it. This is what we are doing. And this is when you'll hear from us again on it so that yeah. they don't harass you. They know that more information's coming. Beautiful, beautiful. Phoebe, thank you. Thank, thank you so you. much.